Book One, Chapters Thirty Four and Thirty Five of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Gradwell. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Lobeira. Translated by Robert Southey. Book One, Chapter Thirty Four. How King Lisuarte, being in great pleasure, a damsel covered with mourning, humbled herself before him to beg a boon, the which was by him granted. While King Lisuarte was with such company, in such pleasure, there came in a fair damsel clad in mourning who falling on her knees before him said all here sir have joy but me and i have grief and wretchedness and only you can relieve me friend quoth the king how may that be my father and uncle are in the prison of a lady who will never deliver them till they give her two knights each as good in arms as one whom they have slain wherefore did they slay him because he vaunted that he alone could combat with them both and defied them with such insolence that they were compelled by shame to enter lists with him and so he was slain this was before the castle of guldenda who immediately made my father and uncle prisoners for that night was engaged to wage a battle for her and she swore never to release them till they gave her two other knights for that service each as approved in arms know you not said lisuarte where the battle is to be fought she answered i cannot tell i only know my father and uncle are unjustly cast into prison and none of their kin can help them and with that she began to lament bitterly so that the king moved with pity answered is the castle far from hence you may go and return in five days quoth she then said lisuarte choose two knights and take them with you sir quoth she i am of a strange land and know none of them if it please you i will go to the queen my lady and ask her counsel the damsel repeated her tale to Brisena, and asked her to name two knights. Oh, damsel, quoth the queen, you ask me what I ought to do, but I am loath to forego the twain. Then she called for Amadis and Galaor. This knight, said she, is mine, the other is the king's. They are the best knights here or elsewhere, Amadis and Galaor what quoth the damsel are you sir amadis the knight that hath no peer now shall i of a certainty accomplish what i desire if you and your brother will accompany me lady for god's sake entreat them for me the queen used her entreaties but amadis looked at oriana for her permission and she dropped her gloves in token that he should go 
for that sign had been agreed on between them, and she had compassion on the damsel. Then he replied that he would perform the queen's command, but Brisena commanded them to hasten back without delay, let what would happen. Then Amadis approached Mabilia and Oriana, as if to take leave of his cousin, and Oriana said, Dear friend, I repent the leave I have given you. My heart misgives me. God grant that it be for good. Lady, quoth Amadis, may he who made you so fair always give you much joy. Wherever I may be, I am still yours to serve you. I commend you to God's good keeping. She replied, May he preserve and give you glory above all other knights. They then armed themselves, and took their leave, and departed with the damsel. She guided them till it was past noon, and they entered a forest which was called the Forest of Ill-Fortune, for never errant knight entered it without mishap. Nor did these brethren escape without sore suffering. They ate of what their squires carried, and proceeded on till night. It was broad moonlight, and she still rode on apace. Damsel, quoth Amadis, shall we not rest? We shall find tents farther on, she answered, and those who will greatly rejoice at your coming. Do you keep your pace, and I will ride forward and make them ready to receive you. So she went on. They had not followed far before they saw two tents by the wayside, where several damsels stood ready with her, who had been their guide, to welcome them. Sirs, said she, dismount here and rest, for you have travelled far. They alighted, and there were servants ready to take their horses and to disarm them, and they took away all the arms. Why do you remove our arms? quoth Amadis. The damsel answered, They are taking them to the other tent where you will sleep. Then they seated themselves upon the carpet, expecting supper, when on a sudden fifteen armed men, knights and others, came upon them, crying, Yield, or you are but dead. They started up thereat, but they had nothing wherewith to defend themselves, and lances were pointed at their breasts, and at their backs, and at their faces. Then was Amadis so enraged that the blood gushed from his nostrils and eyes. Ah, traitors, quoth he, you see how this is. If we had our arms, the business should end in another guise. That, said they, will not avail you. You are our prisoners, cried Galaor. If we are, it is by great treason, and that I will prove upon the two best of you. I, the best three, if you will give me my arms. The knight answered, The proof is not wanted. If you talk more, it will be to your cost. What, cried Amadis, we will rather die than be thus taken. The knight went to the door of the tent. Madam, they will not yield. Shall we slay them? She answered, Stay a little, and if they will not obey my will, 
then off with their heads. Then she entered. She was a right fair lady, and in great anger, and she said to the brethren, Yield to me, or ye die. Amadis was silent, but Galahor answered, Brother, we cannot now hesitate, since the lady wills it. Madam, let us have our arms and horses, and if your men cannot then take us, we will surrender ourselves to your pleasure. As we are now, there is no merit in yielding. I shall not trust you this time, she replied, but I counsel you to yield yourselves. And they, seeing they had no remedy, yielded, and were thus made prisoners, the lady not knowing who they were, for the damsel would not tell their names, being assured that if she had named them, they should immediately have been slain, and then would she be the most unhappy person in the world to have caused the death of two such knights. And she wished herself dead, before she had committed so great a treason, but now she could do no more than keep secret their names. The lady then said, Now that ye are my prisoners, I will propose a thing to you, to which if ye consent I will set ye free. Else shall ye be thrown into such a prison, that it will be worse than death. Lady, quoth Amadis, it may be that what you require is a thing that we may readily grant, and it may be such that if it is to our shame we shall rather suffer death. Of your shame, said she, I know nothing, but if you will forsake the service of King Lisuarte, and go before him and tell him you do it by command of Madasinia, Lady of Gantasi, I will set you free, and tell him that she does this because he keeps the knight in his court who slew the good knight Dardan. Galahor answered, If you do thus, lady, thinking to despite the king, it will not avail, for we are two knights who have as yet nothing but our arms and horses, and as he has in his household, so many of great prowess, he will care little for us, what we do or whither we go, but to us it would be great dishonour, so that we can in no ways consent. What, will you rather be cast into that prison, than forsake the falsest king in the world? Lady, said Galahor, these speeches but ill beseem you, the king is good and loyal, and no knight lives against whom I would not prove that there is no falsehood in him. Certes, quoth she, you utter your love for him in a luckless time, and she ordered her people to tie their hands. That will I do willingly, said one of her knights, and off with their heads too if you let me and he took Amadis by the arms, but Amadis caught hold of him and smote him in the breast with such force that he fell at his feet senseless. With that they all fell upon him to kill him, but an old knight drew his sword and stood between them and drove them off. 
yet not till amadis had received a spear wound in his right shoulder though it was not deep madame quoth the old knight you are doing the greatest devilry in the world to suffer knights and hidalgos who are your prisoners to be slain she answered why should they not slay the most foolish knight living who at such a time was so rash then said galaor we will suffer none to tie our hands but you for you are a fair lady and we are your prisoners and it is just that we obey you then i will do it quoth she and she took their hands and tied them tight with a leathern thong and she ordered the tents to be struck and placed her prisoners upon two palfreys that were led by her servants gandalin and galaor's esquire went on foot tied with a rope and in this manner they proceeded all night through the forest and i tell you that amadis then wished himself dead not for what he suffered for he could endure such chances better than any one beside but because of what the lady demanded for if he refused he should be thrown where he could not see oriana and if he assented he must quit her father's court and so be separated from her these thoughts greatly troubled him the old knight saw his trouble and thought it was for the pain of his wound now the damsel who had deceived them was his daughter and she told him who they were and besought him for mercy and for god's sake to save their lives if he could then he came nigh unto amadis and asked him if his wound pained him and how he fared amadis seeing that it was the old knight who had saved him from death answered sir my friend i have no wound to pain me but i complain of a damsel who brought us here by deceit to give her succour and has foully betrayed us you have indeed been deceived replied the knight i know you better than you imagine and would willingly serve you for if it be discovered who you are you are but dead take my advice you are a handsome knight and the lady has heard that you are one of the best in the world carry yourself fairly towards her and woo her in marriage or elseways for she is a woman whose heart is to take her pleasure but lose no time for she will send from the place where we are to sleep to learn your names which the damsel who brought you here has concealed amadis who regarded oriana more than death answered my friend god's will be done but this never shall be even though she herself requested my love and would therefore set me free certes quoth the knight this is a great marvel that you are in the point of death and will not seek to help yourself such help cried amadis by god's blessing i will never seek but talk with that other knight whom you may with more reason commend than me when the old knight repeated his advice to galaor 
Galahor was greatly pleased. If you should bring this about, said he, that I can win the lady, we shall always be bound to serve you. The knight then rode on, and coming up to his lady, said, You are leading away your prisoners, and know not whom you have taken. Why do you say this? Because you have taken the best knight that I know, and the most accomplished in all good manners. Is it Amadis, whose life I so much desire to take away? No, I speak of the first. Beside his great courage, he is the handsomest young knight that ever I saw, and you are discourteous to him. You should not do this, for it is great villainy. You have imprisoned him who does not deserve it, because you hate another. It were better to treat him honourably and show favour to him, for by that way should you more readily win his consent to what you demand. I will wait, said she, and see what sort of man he is. You will see the fairest knight that ever you beheld. By this the two brethren had come close to each other. Brother, said Galahor, I see you in danger of death. I beseech you follow my counsel. I will, said Amadis, and God give you more honour than fear. The lady had stopped her palfrey and waited for him. She saw him, better than she had done in the night, and, thinking him the handsomest man in the world, asked him how he fared. "'Worse than you should fare, lady,' he replied, "'if you were in my power as I am in yours. "'For I would do you what service and pleasure possible I could, "'and I know not why you should do all the contrary to me "'who have not deserved this treatment, "'reason being that I should rather be your knight "'to serve and love you as my lady "'than to be thrown into your prison, "'which is so little agreeable.' Madasima, who was greatly taken with him, replied, Knight, if I should choose you for my friend, and deliver you from prison, would you forsake the company of King Lisuarte for my sake, and tell him wherefore you forsook him? Yes, quoth Galaor, and will make what covenant you please to do it. And so shall my companion who will not refuse what I shall command him. You shall swear this, said Madasima, before the lady with whom we are going to lodge. Meantime, promise me not to depart from me, and your hands shall be untied. Whereupon they were unbound, and their squires likewise released, to whom a palfrey without a saddle was given that they might ride. All the day Madasima and Galaor went on communing. At sunset they came to Castle Abies, the lady whereof honourably welcomed them, because of the great friendship between her and Madasima. Then before that lady and two knights, her sons, she said, Hear a covenant between us. This knight is my prisoner and I choose him for my friend. So also is the other, and the covenant is in this manner. They shall both forsake the service of King Lisuarte, 
telling him how for my sake they do it and i will set them free on this condition and you and your sons shall meet them before king lisuarte and see that they fulfil their promise wherein if they fail ye shall everywhere publish abroad their falsehood and ten days i give them to execute this good friend said the lady of the castle i am well pleased to do this if they consent thereto we will perform it quoth galaor so galaor that night took his pleasure with madasima a lady who was very fair and of good wealth and high lineage but not of such great worth as beseemed her in the morning their arms and horses were restored them and they departed divers ways she to her castle gantasi the brethren towards london right glad of their escape and weening that they should honourably discharge their covenant that night they were lodged in a hermitage and had poor fare for their supper the next day they continued their road chapter thirty five in which is shown the ruin of king lisuarte and all that befell him in consequence of the rash promises which he had made on the fourth day after the brethren's departure that old knight who had brought the crown and mantle entered the royal tent and kneeling before lisuarte said how is it sir that you wear not the crown which i left you nor you madam the rich mantle the king was silent he continued i am glad you like them not for now i shall neither lose my head nor the gift you are to give me for them let them therefore be restored to me forthwith because i may not tarry here when the king heard this he was troubled and replied knight i can neither return the crown nor the mantle for both are lost it grieves me more for your sake who stand in such need of them than for my own though i so highly valued them wretch that i am quoth the old knight i am dead and by the worst death that ever knight undeservedly perished and then he made great dole and the tears ran down his beard which was as white as wool so that the king said to him in compassion fear not for your head or you shall have whatever is in my power to ransom it so i have promised and so will i perform the knight fell at his feet and would have kissed them but the king raised him up by the hand now then ask what you will it is true sir quoth he that you were either to, to return me my crown and mantle or give what i should ask for them and god knows i intended not to ask what i now needs must and if other things in the world might save me i would not distress you thus it will be a great evil to you but it would be as great if such a man as you should break his faith it will grieve you to give and me to receive ask what you want said lisuarte for i have nothing so dear that it should be refused 
the knight answered many thanks for this assurance but i must be made secure of all who are now in your court that they offer me no wrong or force because of the boon and you yourself also must promise me this for neither will you keep your word nor shall i be satisfied if you take away from me what you have given said the king this is but reason and i promise you security and accordingly it was so proclaimed then the old knight said sir i can only be preserved from death by the crown and mantle or by your daughter oriana now give me which you will but rather would i have what is my own lisuate exclaimed ah knight thou hast asked a great thing and all who were present were greatly grieved but the king who was the most loyal man in the world bade them not trouble themselves it is better said he to lose my daughter than to break my word the one evil afflicts few the other would injure all for how would the people keep faith one with another if they could not depend upon the king's truth and he commanded his daughter to be brought when the queen and her ladies heard that they made the most sorrowful outcry that ever was heard but the king ordered them to their chambers and he forbade all his people to lament on pain of losing his favour my daughter cried he must fare as god hath appointed but my word shall never wilfully be broken by this was oriana come before the king like one amazed and falling at his feet she cried my father and lord what is it that you would do i do it quoth he that i may not break my word then he said to the old knight you see here the gift you have asked will there be other company with her he replied only the two knights and the two squires who came with me to windsor i can take no other company but this i tell you there is nothing to fear before i place her in the hands of him to whom i must deliver her let a damsel go with her for honour and decency's sake said lisuarte that she may not be among you alone this the knight granted but when oriana heard all this she fell down senseless yet did not that avail her for he took her up in his arms weeping as if what he did were against his will and gave her to an esquire who was mounted on a strong horse and a fast goer to place her before him and bade him hold her fast for she was senseless god knows quoth he there is none in the court more grieved for this than myself the king had sent for the damsel of denmark and making her mount a palfrey said to her go with your lady and neither for good nor evil that may befall you ever leave her so long as you may continue with her ah wretch that i am quoth she i never thought to take such a journey as this then they moved from before the king 
and the great and large-limbed knight who would not unhelm himself at windsor took oriana's bridle this was archelaus the enchanter as they went out from the court oriana sighed as if her heart was breaking and said to herself dear friend in a woeful hour the boon was granted for by it both you and i are dead and this she said remembering how she had given amadis leave to depart with the damsel but they who heard her thought she spoke of her father presently they entered the forest with her and rode on at a great pace till they left that road and struck into a deep valley the king mounted his horse and with a wand in his hand suffered none to go against them for so he had promised mabilia who was weeping at the window saw ardian the dwarf of amadis near the walls upon a great and swift horse and she called to him friend ardian if you love your master rest neither day nor night till you have found him and told him this unhappy adventure you are a traitor to him if you will not do this for he would rather know this at this time than have this whole city as his own by holy mary cried the dwarf he shall know it as soon as possible and giving the scourge to his horse he galloped along the road which amadis had taken with the damsel while king lisuarte was at the entrance of the forest with twenty knights making all those turn back who would have gone to his daughter's rescue he saw the damsel approach to whom he had promised a boon she came more than a pace upon a palfrey and had a rich sword hanging from her neck and a lance whose iron was fairly wrought and its stave painted god give you joy sir said she to the king and a heart to fulfil what you have promised me at windsor before your knights he replied damsel i have need of joy howbeit i remember the promise and will perform it with that hope sir i came to you as the most loyal king in the world now then revenge me upon a knight in this forest who slew my father by treason and forced me but in such sort is he enchanted that he cannot be done to death except the most honourable man in the kingdom of london give him a blow with this lance and another with this sword these he gave in keeping to a lady thinking that she loved him but it was otherwise for she mortally hating him gave me the sword and lance that i might have my revenge it must be by your hand for there is none else so honourable if you dare undertake this you must go alone for i have promised to bring a knight to do combat with him this day and he is ready not thinking that i have got the lance and the sword the covenant between us is that if he conquers i shall forgive him but if he is vanquished he must obey my will in god's name quoth the king let us go 
he called for his arms and mounted his good horse and leaving his own sword which was the best in the world girded on that which the damsel gave him he threw his shield round his neck the damsel carried his helmet and the painted lance and he went with her having commanded that none should follow him they rode some way along the road then left it and turned among some trees the same way that oriana had been carried and there the king met an armed knight upon a black horse he had a green shield hanging from his neck and his helmet was of the same colour take your arms sir cried the damsel there is the knight he laced on his helmet and taking the lance called out to the knight to defend himself they ran at each other and broke both their lances but the king's broke so immediately that he felt as though he had missed his stroke then they drew their swords and struck at each other's helms the knight's sword entered halfway into the king's helmet but the king's broke off at the hilt then he knew there was treason and seeing that the knight was attempting to kill his horse he caught hold of him and struggled till they both fell together and lisuarte being uppermost got the sword which his enemy had let fall and began to smite at him when the damsel saw that she cried with a loud voice help help archelaus or your cousin is slain presently the king heard a great noise and looking round beheld ten knights riding towards him and the one who was foremost exclaimed king lisuarte thou art a dead man thou shalt never reign another day nor ever wear crown again when the king heard this he verily believed his end was come but he answered him with that great courage which he always had that may well be seeing ye have me at such advantage but ye shall die for me like traitors and liars as ye are the knight then ran at him full force and smote him so rudely on the shield that he came to the ground but presently rising he struck at the horse and cut his leg clean off so that he fell and the knight under him by this the others came up and all beset him and they bruised him with the breasts of their horses and the two who were dismounted closed with him and forced his sword from his hands then took away his shield and his helmet and fastened a great chain round his neck and they placed him on a palfrey and taking the ends of the chain one on each side led him among the trees to the place where archelaus was with oriana and the damsel of denmark and the foremost knight cried to him cousin here is king lisuarte quoth archelaus he is welcome henceforth we shall neither fear him nor his household ah villain quoth the king wounded as i am i would make thee confess thy treason if thou wouldst do battle with me i should not value myself more for conquering such a knight as thou art archelaus answered 
then speaking to one of his people go to london with all speed and tell barsinan to make himself king for all is ready and i will do what i promised him take you ten knights said he to another and carry lisuarte to daganel and cast him into the dungeon i will take oriana with these four knights and show her my books and things at mount aldin this was one of the strongest castles in the world so they divided company in this manner whereby archelaus showed that he thought himself equal to five knights footnote there follows in the original a column of advice to all emperors and kings upon the mutability of fortune as instanced in King Lisuarte's situation. End of chapter 35 Recording by Martin Gradwell